Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast as we continue the conversation about how to create better schools for kids. Have a wonderful guest this week, one of my true edu heroes. He took some time from his busy schedule in Australia to connect with me recently. I had Dr. Posse Salberg, a Finnish educator, best-selling author, and scholar on a global scale in how to create educational change across the board. Dr. Salberg's newest book that will be out in 2021 is entitled Finnish Lessons 3.0, What Can the World Learn from Educational Change in Finland? Uh, Posse goes into everything from the Finland model and how maybe we shouldn't think about replicating that model, but perhaps creating our own Finland and carving out our own path to reimagine schools. He also reflects on his friendship with Sir Ken Robinson, who we recently lost, and uh, Sir Ken Robinson, the late great Sir Ken Robinson, will forever be in our hearts and our minds as we think about educational change. So this is a good one, folks. You want to kick back, relax, share this one out in your school and your school district and your school community, because uh, Dr. Posse Salberg is truly one of the big timers in the ed reform movement. So. Uh, enjoy and have a great week, folks. The Reimagined Schools podcast begins right now. Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Reimagined Schools podcast, the show that shines light on positive leadership, technology integration, and innovative solutions to transform our schools. Featuring many of the nation's top educators, tune in each week to hear from best-selling authors, popular speakers, and thought leaders throughout K-12 education as we continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. From the podcast studio in Georgetown, Kentucky, here's your host, Dr. Greg Goins. We are back again for another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, and folks, this is a good one. We have a true titan in the world of education reform. Posse Salberg is a Finnish educator, an author, a scholar, and someone who has studied education systems around the world. A big welcome to Dr. Posse Salberg. How are you, sir? Uh, thank you, Craig. I'm, I'm good. I'm sitting here in the beautiful um, city of Sydney, Australia right now. It's all good. You are... Uh, a man of many countries, uh, many many continents. Uh, you you know taught in in Finland uh, for several years as a math and science teacher. You're in Australia now. You lived in the states, uh, Washington D.C. I think maybe Boston for a while. So this global perspective that you have in education is something that not too many people bring to the table. What is it about all these travels that? What are some of the common themes and some of the disconnects that you found? Well, yeah, it's a good question, Craig. And, and, and for me personally, and this is a very personal thing, I think the, the most important the thing that has happened to me through these travels is a kind of a better understanding of uh, our own education system in Finland. As you mentioned, I was born and raised in Finland, 
went through all the schooling and did all my university studied. Uh, uh, I was a teacher uh, for many years and worked at the university. And I really didn't quite understand and and value all, you know all, all of these beautiful things. And I was not aware of all of these kind of, kind of a, some of those problems and issues over there. So so for me, the the most important thing has really been a, a deeper understanding and value of what we have had. But but you, you know also I think. We, we need to keep in mind that there's no perfect system. People some, sometimes uh, quite wrongly assume that Finland or some other systems are perfect and there are no issues. And, uh, and that's, that's not the case that, that, you know, more you travel and more you look at these systems uh, around the world, you also understand that there's no perfect uh, system there. Everybody wants, everybody's looking for the kind of ideal uh, thing and right now because of this pandemic and other other issues in the world that they you know everybody's using this language that you have in this series uh, reimagining things and and that's a kind of a common theme everybody's looking for something and nobody really knows what it is but the, this kind of a tribe is a that's a common thing in in most uh, most systems that I I have been working with and uh, and read about. Well, I know you're always a busy guy out speaking and helping folks try to reimagine or redesign schools. You have two great books coming out in 2021, uh, Finnish Lessons 3.0, What Can the World Learn from Educational Change in Finland? And you also have coming out in Teachers We Trust, The Finnish Way to World-Class Schools. So uh, again, a, a busy guy. And, but before I jump into to this Finland, Finland connection and all the great things happening there, I would be remiss if I didn't talk with you just a little bit about the late, great Sir Kent Robinson. And I know you had an opportunity to know him on a personal level. And so I kind of want to start there tonight. What do you think his legacy is going to be in terms of the education reform movement? And maybe what are some of those conversations that you had with him uh, that you will just forever cherish? Yeah, yeah. First of all, Craig, I, I think it's a it's a great loss. It's a great loss for me uh, to lose a friend like uh, like Sir Ken, but it's a it's a great loss for the humanity. Uh, and you know, Ken Robinson had a voice like no other person when it comes to education. For me, what 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 he uh, really stood for uh, was the kind of a ability and voice to be able to to communicate fairly complex things in education. Like, you know, he, he was talking about creativity and, and, and learning and passion and talents that often gets very complicated when you, when you listen to education experts speaking about that. But Ken had a, had a skill and understanding how to talk about those things that everybody would understand, in, including children. Uh, that they, they, he kind of spoke to so many, so many people. Then the other one, I think it's, it's been interesting to, to realize now after the, the weeks after he passed away is that, you know, how much he actually has been, has been recognized and, and valued around the world. But, you, you know, when he was alive, and it's, it's the same as with many other kind of a great artists or figures, is that their, their true value becomes... Uh, understandable only when they are not here anymore and and this is this is beginning to be the thing with the ken that you know very few governments actually paid any attention to what he was saying let alone the united states where he spent uh, you know most of his rest of his life life there but anywhere he went he he never really had a kind of a good year from the government policymakers um and and that's something that i think you know if we if we can learn anything from uh, this type of horrible uh, sad situation of losing uh, somebody like Ken Robinson is that, you know, the, the governments and, and those who hold the power regarding education and children 
should probably be a little bit more mind, mindful also with the issues that are not necessarily according to their own thinking or values or ideas and just try to understand that why somebody like him or now many other people are, are so much kind of a speaking and stressing the importance of, of um, you know, play and passion and creativity and arts and, and many other things. So I, I hope that his legacy will will uh, kind of continue to um, emphasize these things. Certainly, I, uh, m you know, my work uh, will will continue to carry, as I can, the Ken's, Ken's legacy in, the, in these areas. Well, and that's all very well said. And, and certainly, Sir Ken Robinson will be missed greatly by the education community and will forever have his uh, research available to us as we continue to study and think about how to reimagine schools. As we turn to your work and thinking about um, you know, I, I had the good fortune of having Dr. Tony Wagner on the podcast, uh, and uh, the Finland phenomenon is a great documentary, and that's really probably the thing in the states here that was really eye-opening and made kind of fin the Finland education system the the model. But I've heard you say, and I find this fascinating, Finland never set out to be the number one education system in the world. It just happened organically, just by doing good things and trying to have a whole child approach to education. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, correct. Uh, correct, and and you know even even more importantly, there's no uh, high performing education system uh, as high performance is defined by the OECD, for example, that has ever aimed to be on the top. I'm not sure so much about Shanghai and, and China and other places, but you know if you go to Singapore, for example, or Japan, um, uh, Estonia, Finland, they all have the same thing that they, they never had an aim to be the best in the world. They just wanted to do the right thing for, for, for their kids. But this is particularly true, as you said, uh, uh, in the Finnish case that we have, uh, and we, we still don't really give too much value about whether we are number one or number five or 10. I, I think it's more important for the Finns, uh, just like it is in, in Singapore as well, to make, make sure that we have a system that is not only able to serve all the children well today, but also ready for, for the future in a ways that that you know nobody knows how this is going to play out but but certainly you, you know the, this Finnish story is is you know built around this kind of a coincidence that we just happened to happen to be in the right place in the right time and and the OECD came up with this metric and it happened to be that we were there on the top and the rest is rest is history yeah and it's really remarkable because um I've also heard you say the goal should not be to replicate the Finnish education system. It is to create your own Finland. And there are things like really valuing the teacher profession, giving them autonomy. And it's about responsibility more than it is accountability. And I think uh, as I hear you talk about those things, I mean, those are things that jump off the page for me. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think it's a well said that everybody should build their own Finland if they are in the business of, uh, you know, learning from, from elsewhere. And I think that, you know, honestly, Craig, that this has been one of the handicaps with the, the with the U.S. education policy during the last 20, uh, 25 years is that that the American policymakers, uh, whether it's a federal level or uh, even even in the state levels, that they they kind of uh, have lost this the the American ability to learn from the rest of the world. You know, this is how America was built in in a large extent. This is how the American education. Uh, before 1980s or 90s was uh, created uh, based on the the good best ideas uh, around the world, but it's not that anymore. Uh, and and I I think that we still have this 
uh, and you guys, you definitely still have this ability to learn from others. And that's why, that's why you mentioned the Finnish Lessons 3.0. And I, tr I try to kind of re-amplify the same message for American readers is that, you know, we have this, we have this opportunity to learn from others. And that's the, basically the only, only way forward if we really want to have a great school for each and every uh, child in the United States is to make sure that we keep on learning from other people and not necessarily from other countries like Finland or or Singapore or some some other places but you know accept this idea that there are places where where the good solutions uh, have been implemented and uh, and successfully so but you know even even more importantly the the United States and this is what I often say is that America is the only country where you know everything you need to uh, build a system school system that is good for each and every child is is in the country you know you have resources you have the the innovation and technology and research and people um and and you, you americans you have this kind of a, a can-do mentality uh, that many other nations don't have uh, so it's a, it's a kind of a wonder that things are not getting any better even within these circumstances that that you are the only only nation that has everything. Just think about, you know, Finland uh, 30 years ago when we had this kind of a active building of new uh, education. We were actually reimagining education in the 1990s. Uh, but we speak, you know, in Finland, we speak Finnish or Swedish. We have two languages or, or Sami that is a small indigenous language. Uh, but, you know, if you want to know, any, if you want to learn anything from other countries, for example, the United States, you have to learn English. You have to translate stuff into your own language and you know many of the policymakers, most of the educators don't really read english stuff at all so it's a huge effort to try to explain a foreign ideas for example from america like uh, howard gardner who has been really influential sir ken robinson has been has had an influence in finland but we kind of have to translate those things to the audiences and and policymakers and politicians and parents uh, that you guys in America, you don't need to do because everything is uh, basically, or most of the stuff is available in, in English. So, so that's, that's where I see this kind of a hope and opportunity in the United States is to, you know, take a look around and accept that there are things that, that we, can, we can see how, for example, how American, great American ideas have been powerful and influential in other countries. That would be a great lesson and recognition in, in America to say that, wow, you know, some of these things really have made a big difference in other countries. So why don't we try those things at home? And, you know, I think sometimes uh, in this country, we're a little selfish in just worrying about ourselves and, and what, what the next thing we're going to do here. But you talk about the Global Educational Reform Movement, or GERM is the acronym, and the fact that whether it's in rural Kentucky or whether it's in the Netherlands or another country, a lot of times there are different things that are infecting these schools and institutions when it comes to teaching and learning, that there are really some common themes there, too, that, that we can really learn from each other and try to uh, replicate is not the right word, but there are best practices that we should all be thinking about globally. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, global education reform movement that is often, often referring to um, standardization, this uh, strong accountability, test-based accountability movement, and uh, focusing on small number of academic uh, subjects like like reading and, and mathematics. Uh, it, it has really behaved like a, a little bit like this horrible pandemic that we, we have right now. That it's, it's been spreading around the world and. And you know, countries have been very different, just like with the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, in in resisting uh, 
this, this, uh, the consequences of these viruses. And that, that's why I, I kind of still like this uh, metaphor of talking about the germ as a, almost as an as a infection. And you, you're absolutely right that they, you know, there, are many, many things, there are many things now in this pandemic, this health crisis, that we are looking at how the other countries are doing, you know, how, they are, how they are responding to some of these things, how they are, how they are kind of a, um, making sure that when the school kids are returning to schools that you know, things are doing well. It's interesting that now with this health crisis, there, there's much more activity globally, you know, people, governments talking to one another and see you know, what are you doing and, and, and what is the best way to do this. But you know, when, when this uh, germ, uh, this movement that came with these uh, uh, sometimes toxic things like, uh, uh, like this strong accountability and standardization thing, uh, there was a very little this type of conversation, except, you know, Finland has always stood up as something that has been very kind of a careful and, and, um, and passive with, uh, with these ideas that have traveled around the world. And, and that's why probably Finland has been able to, uh, you know, cope and deal with the cons consequences of these, uh, these negative things better than, than most others. My guest today is Dr. Posse Salberg. You can follow him on Twitter at Posse underscore Salberg. You can buy all of his books at the website, PosseSalberg.com. Uh, great conversation, thinking about not only the Finland model, but I think, you know, from my experience, just looking across the landscape here in the States, there's been this enormous push, uh, momentum, if you will, uh, for 21st century skills. And I know we, we probably both kind of give an eye roll and a chuckle to that because uh, that means different things to different people. But I also see a, a huge swing to things like design thinking, deeper learning strategies, a lot of times packaged within a project-based learning environment. Um, where do you fall on the, the, the deeper learning concept and the design thinking ideas as we kind of plan and, and reinvent what we're doing? Yeah, I, I know that your guests before me uh, have included Tony Wagner and 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 Ted Dintersmith, both uh, very good friends of mine, and and um, and they, they they both have been advocates of the uh, the the deeper learning and design uh, thinking in the school. I, I I think you know those elements, whether they are part of this 21st century skills movement or not, are, are definitely things that will be part of the part of the future, uh, this reimagined uh, school, schooling. You know, again, interesting thing, if you, if you don't mind me just reflecting back to, back to the Finnish uh, model, you know, f education in Finland has been very much kind of um, uh, avoiding this, uh, this jargon or terms like 21st century skills or, or, or design thinking or other things. But, you know, if you, if you really take a look at this system, how most of the schools work, you know, the elements of all, all these things that you mentioned and some, some more ideas, you know, many of the ideas that Sir Ken Robinson has been, um, has been talking about, like the importance of finding your passion uh, in, in the school that, you know, educating kids to realize what they are good at. You know, they have been part of this new Finnish reimagined uh, schooling since the mid-1990s, really. Um, but not in a way that, you know, this this would have been done in many other countries where where um, you you almost like a package these ideas into to to for the market purposes and 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 try to share them but the the essence of Finnish system is is really it is about deeper learning it's about holistic kind of a whole child approach 
you know, the Finnish system is one of the few systems where everybody, boys and girls, they do the, uh, the kind of design and, and craft work as part of the compulsory schooling. Uh, so, and we have had this for the last hundred and, and 70 years, really. So, so, so some, you know, many, many of these things that if, if people really want to learn, learn more about where those ideas come from that you mentioned, uh, you know, there, there are school systems around the world where they have been, they have been historically there for, for, for decades. And, and then they'd kind of disappeared when we moved into the more industrial, uh, phase and you know the technology replaced some of those things and you know even handwriting uh, has disappeared in s some places but you know the Finnish schools are still do still doing those kind of a basic manual skill-based uh, things uh, just like we got we, we are seeing the renaissance of those things in in some other places so it's a kind of an interesting in interesting historical thing for me this question that you asked uh, includes not so much new things for me me the um, you know, do focusing on design and, and creativity and, and deeper kind of a meaningful learning are basically the things that have been there already in the school system, many school systems before, but then they disappeared. And now we are kind of a, hopefully getting back to those things. So, so that's why I think this reimagining schooling is important, but we should not think that reimagining education means that we have to invent something completely new. For me, it's often means that we have to be able to look back in the history and, and critically ask, you know, what are those things that we have been really doing right a uh, long time ago and could we somehow take them to this time that we have now with all these technologies and, and ideas and, and realities that we have and just reimagine going backwards at sometimes and rather than, you know, forgetting everything that we've done and, and, and try to create a new. That's what I see is that often the fallacy of this reimagining um, discourse in education is that it kind of assumes that everything that we have had is bad or wrong or useless and we have to reinvent things. That's not true because education, we have a lot of things that we, we never actually uh, actually adopted to the mainstream schooling and now this would be an opportunity to, to take a look at some of those things. There are certainly many things that we should not consider that they have, they have served their time and that's it and let's move forward. Well, I think one of the positives to all this is we're starting to have some of those deeper conversations that uh, I think were, were have been missing for quite some time. And whether it's us maybe going back and reviewing the research or discovering some different models, but thinking differently about how we want to, um, you know, make schools better for kids in the 21st century. Uh, I, I love, I, I don't know if it's a TED Talk or if it was another video you put out, but you said the more we try to implement change, the harder the system pushes back. And you, then you said, uh, in order to make room for new ideas, we must remove something, and that can be tough for school leaders. And that, that's so good. I actually have it on my bulletin board up here. I look at it. <laughs> I look at it frequently. But, I mean, it, it's so true. And uh, what's the point of having great ideas if there are so many barriers to change that you're going to get lost in the status quo because the system is just such a bully and won't give in? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this, uh, this wisdom of uh, the, the, the more, more we try to change the system, the more the system pushes back. This is actually uh, from my other good late friend, uh, Seymour Saracen, that re represents a kind of a, one, one of the first class American scholars and thinkers in education. He passed away uh, already more than 10 years ago. But you know, he, he had so many, so many smart and wise things that he had said for example, this one, and and you know now we are, are really coming to this point where, for example, when I when I look around the the education in different countries around the world, 
uh, I see so much more uh, positive, interesting activity at the grassroots level. And this is certainly what uh, Ted Dintersmith and, and Tony Wagner would agree with, that, you know, these networks of schools and individual activists in education um, have much more forward and bold thinking and, 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 uh, and looking at the education than the systems. Are. And, and, and that, that's why, you know, if we, if we now believe that this reimagining uh, of education anywhere would come from the, the kind of a top-down reform that would come as, as led by a minister of, or ministry or administration, I don't think that is going to happen. I, I think the, the change, like in many other things, just, you know, think about this, current things in the United States, Black Lives Matters or, uh, or climate change or many other things uh, globally. You know, the power to change things in those areas is coming from the grassroots and often young people, you know, the, the young people are pushing this change. And it's the same thing in education systems that, that we, need, we need this top-down um, kind of a try for change, but the power for change will come uh, from these active networks and school, individual schools or districts, some districts in the United States, uh, and, and they will bring the change. So, so that's why the kind of a role of the administration, this, uh, this top level leadership has to be very different in the future if we really want to see reimagined uh, schools. Uh, for, for example, the, the, this, the system, whether it's a district in, a, in, in the US or state or, or a cluster of, of, of these units, that they should kind of a read rethink their own role in in the ways that their their own own policies and and funding and and leadership would make more space for those active grassroots level uh, change makers and and that's where i see the hope for for this type of thing i see i see a very little hope uh in reimagining education entire education systems if we think it in the terms of um kind of a pushing uh, and insisting change it's not gonna uh, it's not going to happen that way because the, the system will just, the education system, the school system will just push back harder if we don't know how to do that. And, you know, another thing that, that I find just extremely fascinating is, is your work around, um, you know, you're, you're, you've been an advisor for some very powerful people, some, some true change makers. And so when the, the prime minister of Scotland calls you up and says, uh, Passy, can you come in and help us figure this thing out? Where, just kind of, if I'm a fly on the wall, take me into that conversation. Where does that conversation even start? Whether you're working with someone in, in Scotland or Finland or the Netherlands or here in America, when they bring you in, what's the expectation? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, it's probably a little bit more complicated than, than, you know, entering a meeting room and, and, and start the conversation. But, you know, theoretically, and this has happened to me in practice many times. You know, the first question I really have, and I, I remember the first question we we have had with the with our colleagues uh, in, in the government in Scotland is that what, what what is your problem? What do you try to improve? And it's the hardest question of all. You, you know, because you know the first thing is that people say that ah, you know, our PISA results are not good enough. Oh, we want to improve this and that. I said that's not the problem. The problem is not that the PISA results are, have been declining or they're not good enough. Good enough. What is your problem? What do you want to, want to fix? Because if you want to fix your PISA results, I'm not the right person to do that. 
that I can I can I can help help people to see really realize that you know where why the results are dropping or why the issues why the kids are not engaged in schooling or why they are not you know able to do the things that we would like to see them doing and you know only then and this is the hardest part of the uh, thing you know Einstein said that you know if I have a if I have an hour to fix a complicated problem I spend 55 minutes to understand the problem and then I can fix it in five minutes and this is the same in education but you know the, the irony is that in education we operate exactly the other way around that we kind of assume that the, okay this is a problem it takes five minutes and then we try 55 minutes to fix something that is actually not the problem it, it's a, maybe it's just a, the kind of a consequence of of something that is the, is a deeper problem so this is one thing. And then the other one, you know, when we have a kind of understanding, okay, so, th so these are the things that we need to, we need to fix. Then the, the next hard question is that, so where do you want to be? Where do you want to be in five years or 10 years or 20 years in education? What, what is this? Why do you reimagine education? What does it look like? What is your vision of schooling? And it's equally difficult to say, you know, what, what, are, we, what, are, what are we aiming at? But only then when, when we have a good answer to these two questions. And again, you know, Sir Ken Robinson was very good in this. He has actually written about this, that these are the three things we need. We need to understand the problem. We need to, go, need to have a kind of understanding where we are going to. And only then we can have a kind of an idea, what does it take to change things? So this is basically my way of, uh, you know, helping. Um, but, you know, I'm in the meetings like this, I'm almost like a midwife. I'm, I'm not going to be there and say that, you know, this is what you need to do, or let alone that do what Finland has done and everything will be fine. My role is as a, as a to, together with my colleagues, is a midwife to try to help people to, again, you know, create their own Finland or the, or the own idea. And I can be there by asking questions and, you know, encouraging people to, you know, think a little bit differently. So that's, um, I, I know that this is a, is, a, is a different way than some people who call themselves consultants who are kind of paid to fix the problems. Uh, my role is not never been that, you know, even when I worked with the World Bank uh, for a number of years in Washington DC, I, I, I use the same kind of approach. Um, it's a hard way because, you know, that's people often think that, you know, you're, you're paid to do that, but you don't have a solution to this. So what are you doing here? But I, I think it's, I still want to emphasize that, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know your problems, if you have no idea where you're going to be going to, it's very hard for me to tell uh, anything about what to do. Well, it's been a, an amazing conversation and I'm so grateful that you're able to spend some time with me uh, as our time comes to a close here. We have a lot of superintendents, principals, school board members, teachers, educators across the board to listen to the podcast. A lot of them really have an interest in this, this change movement. And what, what can we do is the question that I know you get all the time and I certainly get all the time. What advice, if you spe uh, speak directly to those folks, can you give them about this idea that we need to think differently about teaching and learning in our schools? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, given the short time, I, I know that you're looking for a 30 second respond to this question. I, you know, I would say that, like in many other questions, difficult questions and hard questions uh, today, we, we need to, we need to listen to young people more closely. I, I think we need to really sit down, we adults, uh, whether you're superintendent or school principal or teacher or um, board chair or anything, sit down and say that how much value could we gain by really giving children more voice agency in, in education? 
And this is what Finland is, by the way, doing right now. This is the, the one, one of the core problems there is that young people, children are saying that we, we have no voice. We, we are not listened to. Nobody cares about what we think uh, education should look like. Um, and this is the same thing in many other countries right now. So I think, you know, if there's one thing you can do, um, I really do hope uh, that young people, children would have more space to say what they think and influence how the schools uh, operate. And I can say one thing, uh, you know, if we are successful with this one, we're going to see more engaged kids in the school. They are happier. They are more committed to do the things uh, that we want them to do in the school. And the whole thing, the whole system will perform better. You know, honestly, my only hope is that we're not having the same conversation five, 10 years from now, that there truly is some change on the horizon. Yeah, I hope so too. And I, I think, Greg, that your, what you do through this uh, medium and your microphone is a very important and, and helpful for this movement. So thank you for, for what you do. Well, thank you very much. And, and again, you want to jump out and get this book. Anything from uh, Posse Salberg is gold. You want to get your hands on it and be looking for that book in 2021, both books. There's also a great book uh, that he has out that came out in 2019 on play. The name of that book is Let the Children Play, How More Play Will Save Our Schools and Help Children Thrive. And that's a 2019 release. So that's a wrap, folks. Again, a big thank you to Dr. Posse Salberg. And remember, folks, always do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite episodes. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins. You can also connect with me anytime via email at drgreggoins at gmail.com. So if you have a question or comment about an individual episode, or maybe you have a recommendation for future guests, I would love to hear from you. Also, anyone out there that has an interest in sponsorships on the Reimagined Schools podcast can hit me up via email again at drgreggoins at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember, always do what you can to create better schools for kids.